Well, we're together again tonight and uh, Bible study or what I'd like to think of as a midweek message and uh, beginning this evening with a a new shorter series, uh, we're going to be tackling uh, the very short letter of of 3 John. But I thought as we begin this evening, I'd like to uh, once again just uh, introduce to you and and familiarize you with a very helpful uh, book. Uh, all of us always uh, needing to learn to pray. And uh, some time ago, I discovered this book by Matthew Henry. And uh, it's called A Way to Pray. And what Matthew Henry has done in this particular book is he has categorized different um, aspects of the scripture into topics, uh, different aspects of prayer, whether it be praise or uh, intercession or confession, and and just helping people and helping us uh, to learn to, to deepen our particular way of praying. And so I want to begin tonight, and there, there are two prayers that I'd like us to consider. And, and the, the one is uh, uh, from a chapter that uh, has the heading, Affirming this God, our God, to be your God, and acknowledge his ownership of you and his dominion over you. So we, we're looking to God to acknowledge him as the one true and living God. So why don't you bow your heads, let's pray together. And, and just come to the throne of grace. Our hearts declare to you, O Lord, you are our God. Apart from you, we have nothing good. Even if we were righteous, we would have nothing to give back to you. You are our sovereign king. Other lords beside you have exercised their dominion over us. But Lord, from now on, we will mention only your name. We attest this day that you, the covenant Lord, are our God. We commit ourselves to walk in your ways, to keep your laws, your commandments, and your judgments. We are prepared to listen to your voice and give ourselves wholly to you. We recognize ourselves to be your unique people, a people holy to the Lord our God, whose calling is to make your name renowned, praised, and glorified. O Lord, we are your servants, born in your house. You have loosed our bonds. We were bought with a price and are not our own. We yield ourselves to you and join ourselves to you in everlasting covenant that shall never be forgotten. Save us, for we seek to understand all your commandments. Whatever we give you is already yours and comes from your hand. So that's the, the one prayer. And, and, and then I, I do want to turn to another prayer of, of, of intercession. <coughs> Our faith must always have an outworking. And even these studies that we uh, get involved in as we look to the scriptures, we're not, we're not merely trying to accumulate knowledge, but we're trying to grow in our relationship with God in, and in our usefulness in gospel ministry. So, so the preparation, if you like, of the soil. And uh, uh, let's pray this prayer. Lord, teach transgressors your ways. Let sinners be converted to you. Let the disobedient uh, be turned to the wisdom of the just. Prepare a people for the Lord. Let those that are still dead in trespasses and sins be made alive. Say to them, live 
issue your command to them, saying, live. Then that moment uh, shall be a time of love. Open their eyes and turn them from darkness to light. Deliver them from the power of Satan that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified. By the blood of the covenant set the prisoners free from the waterless pit. Let them return to the stronghold as prisoners of hope. Let your word prevail by pulling down Satan's fortifications. Cast down all vain imaginations, every haughty opinion that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Let the let their every thought be made captive to Christ. And Lord, we pray these prayers. We repeat these prayers in the name of Jesus for, Lord, his kingdom, for his name's sake. And we ask this as we begin the study tonight. Amen. So I have entitled our study tonight, Growing Relationships in the Church. And so to begin with, I thought I'd just make a few comments about this book of 3 John. It's a very short letter. We're going to be able to read the entire letter. It doesn't even take up an entire page in, in, in my Bible. It's, it's a personal letter. It's, it's a letter uh, started, uh, it starts with uh, the elder. It's, it's, it's from the elder John and, and addressed to his friend. And uh, there is some uh, encouragement, there's, there's some counsel, there's some advice that uh, John is giving to his friend. It is the Apostle John that uh, is the author, and uh, we just need to be aware that as the church was developing and, and growing, uh, the time of writing of this particular letter is toward the, the last quarter of the first century, and by then uh, many of the apostles were using quite frequently and interchangeably the term elder. So apostle, elder, synonymous, uh, meaning much the same thing in that context for them, and of course very different in our context uh, today. Uh, the friend that he writes to is Gaius. Gaius is an unknown entity to us these many years later. Uh, there's no other information available about him, but certainly what we can glean from this letter is that he was a good friend, that he was well known uh, to John. Well, John writes this uh, letter, and, and it is the third of, of the three letters that, that we have from John. And he, he writes this letter to uh, encourage his friend. And there is a particular emphasis that we're going to be seeing over these next few weeks, God willing, that he is urging his friend to continue to walk in the truth. The struggles that we face today with the distractions and, 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 and all the the influences that come that seek to distract us from the truth of God existed back then as well. And, and so John is encouraging him and, and commends him as one who continues to walk in the truth. Perhaps we could say he's commending him to stay on the straight and the narrow. And then we will also notice in this, in this letter that he encourages him not to be distracted by a troublemaker. There are those who, who come into the church. There are those who are among us, sometimes in the church, who are a real obstacle to the ongoing work of ministry, uh, the, the, the challenges that we face in gospel ministry. And, and, and they seek to distract us. And, and, and we need to learn from this particular letter that uh, uh, that need not be the case. And so really the personal nature of this letter is something that we can 
learn from tonight. There's much relevant application for us in our particular church at Central Baptist Church. And and, and I, I want to say tonight, it's a wonderful blessing to be part of Central Baptist Church. But when I say that, I, I, I recognize acknowledge, and acknowledge that in and much in as much as Central Baptist Church is a it's a good church to be part of. It's it's a reasonably healthy church, but it's not a perfect church. And so there's always room for us to be growing and improving and even to use technical terminology to be to be continually sanctified. In as much as we have been converted and we've been uh, placed on this journey of sanctification and growth, that process continues and simply does not end until the very end of our lives, either when Jesus comes for us or when he calls for us. There's always room for improvement. Each one of us, pastors, elders, members, younger Christians, older Christians, we can always grow in our walk of faith. And and I want to challenge you tonight, if you're listening to this video, asking yourself, Lord, uh, and, and in fact, praying to the Lord as you ask yourself, how can I grow? How can how can I uh, uh, be molded and formed by the Spirit of God in my ongoing walk of faith, being conformed to the likeness of Jesus in submission to the Word of God? And, 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 and as I indicated earlier on, a walk of faith ought always to result in some kind of action, some kind of usefulness and fruitfulness, uh, God calling us and commanding us and sending us and commissioning us to be at work in his gospel purposes and for his gospel uh, purposes. And, and, and tonight, uh, going back to the, the heading, growing relationships in the church. And, and we're going to focus, I'm going to seek to focus tonight and just learn a little bit from John here about how we can grow in the way that we relate to each other. The kind of relationships that we ought to be forming, but also the kind of relationships that we ought to be growing in and becoming deeper involved as uh, time unfolds. And so having said that, now I'd like to read, and and I'm going to read the entire letter. It's so short, uh, we may as well do that. And so 3 John, if you do have your Bible open, uh, consider with me uh, verse 1. The elder to the beloved Gaius. Whom I love in the truth. Beloved, I pray that all may go well with you, that you may be in good health as it goes well with your soul. For I rejoice greatly when the brothers came and testified to your truth, as indeed you are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Beloved, it is a faithful thing you do. Uh, in all your efforts for these brothers, strangers as they are, who testify to your love before the church. You will do well to send them on their journey in a manner worthy of God. They have gone out for the sake of the name, accepting nothing from the Gentiles. Therefore we ought to support people like these, that we may be fellow workers for the truth. I have written something to the church, but the Atrophies, who likes to put himself first, does not acknowledge our authority. So if I come, I will bring up what he is doing, talking wicked nonsense about us, against us. And not content with that, he refuses to welcome the brothers and also stops those who want to and puts them out of the church. Beloved, 
Do not imitate evil, but imitate good. Whoever does good is from God. Whoever does evil is not seen God. Demetrius has received a good testimony from everyone and from the truth itself. We also add our testimony, and you know that our testimony is true. I had much to write to you, but I would rather not write with pen and ink. I hope to see you soon, and we will talk face to face. Peace be to you. The friends greet you. Greet the friends each by name. Well, we're going to focus just on the first few verses, the first four verses of this letter tonight. And then God willing, in the coming weeks, we're going to tackle uh, different sections until we've completed this uh, letter that John writes to his friend. And I want to begin right at the outset by saying that from this letter, learning from John, learning from the elder as he writes to his friend, we too today need to nurture meaningful relationships. There was an existing, significant, meaningful, even if I could say deep relationship that existed between John and Gaius. You can see something of the tenderness, something of the intimacy in the greeting to the beloved Gaius, whom I love in truth. And so we need to be thinking, what does that look like? What what does that mean to us and, and, and how we seek to implement and, and how do we nurture? What are we aiming at when we nurture these meaningful relationships? So, so think of anything uh, mechanical. Think of the engine uh, of a car or the motor vehicle that, that you drive. The, the, there, there is the engine and, and there is the gearbox and there's the differential and there's the steering mechanism and, and there's the body and there's the chassis. And, and all of these parts come together to produce a motor vehicle that is able to produce and able to do a particular function. But if we were to stand back and and define the interconnected relationship between the engine and the gearbox and the chassis and the differential and the wheels and the steering mechanism, we would simply say that the relationship between these components is merely functional. They work together They are put together to do a particular job. There is a task. A motor vehicle brings about the ability to uh, transport somebody from uh, point A to point B and to do so in whatever uh, direction they want to go. The nature of the church is not merely a functional relationship. There are things definitely that we are tasked to do. But the local body of Christ must be more, much more than a functional relationship. If we were a machine, caring relationships wouldn't matter. But we're not a machine. We're not an organization. We're much more than a machine. We're much more than an organization when we belong to the church. The church is a body. It's a well-known description uh, used in the Bible, uh, used by many of us as believers. We speak of the local body of the church. We speak of the body of Christ. Uh, we use the term, we're an organism, and meaning by that, that, that there, is, there is life in this body, uh, not merely coming together in some kind of static uh, 
functional way, but, but coming together as a living organism. And, and as we look to the scriptures in the broader context of the Bible, we see the Apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 5, speaking to Christians, speaking to the church. You also, centralites, members, believers, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. Living stones. There's life. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we look at verse 25. Uh, it's parts. This is the body, the parts of the body. Its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. So you can see that the, 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 the relationship, the interconnectedness is not merely functional in carrying out a particular task. And of course, we do have a task that we ought to be uh, doing. But there is a concern, there is an involvement, there's an interconnectedness with each other, those of us who are part of this body. And, and you can see this in, in John's approach to his friend Gaius in that first verse. Uh, the elder to my dear friend Gaius, whom I love in the truth. You see, the letter is not written as some kind of military order. Simply giving instructions in terms of this is what you do and, and this is what you don't do. It oozes meaningful relationship beyond the superficial. The very thing that we struggle against in the, in, in, in the gathering of local churches is relationships can so easily be superficial. They can be uh, skin deep. They can be too thin. They, 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 they're not deep. They're, not, they're, they're sometimes not meaningful. And, and, and the point that, that we see in this particular study, in this particular chapter, hearing relationships or relationships that go beyond the superficial. That ought to be true of us at Central Baptist Church. Whether you are part of the Hill Campus or the Arcadia Campus, in that community, you need to be building, you need to be nurturing meaningful relationships that go beyond the superficial, uh, that simply scratches the surface and has these cliched greetings, how are you and, and I'm fine, how are you, and already walking away thinking about what you're going to have for lunch. Got, got to go beyond that. The relationships, we, we, we are assembled together, yes, but we're not just a functional body to fulfill a particular fu uh, function. We, we are a relational people immersed into the body of Christ. And, 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 and for us to always be looking to God, we learn from God, being made in the image of God. And we look at the relationships, uh, the relationship that exists between the Father and the Son and the Spirit. Loving, functional relationship. Involved, And so too, we need to also be involved uh, with each other in loving, functional, uh, caring relationships. We know the greatest command or the most important command uh, is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul, mind and strength. The second is to love your neighbor as yourself. And we did spend a lot of time in 1 John in past months, looking at the importance of, of loving one another. 
And so these caring relationships, the function happening, the functioning, the functioning of the church taking place, but doing so in the context of relationships where we cannot, we cannot ignore the repeated one another commands that we are given spread throughout the New Testament uh, teaching. Uh, the, the, the New Testament church being urged repeatedly, continuously, that there needs to be this the nurturing of caring relationships. And let me give you some examples. Romans chapter 12, verse 10 and 16. Be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Live in harmony with one another. That, that, that's not superficial. That's, that's deep. That's, that's growing. Uh, that, those are the kind of relationships that we ought to be uh, cultivating. Romans 15 verse 7, accept one another. Oh, accept one another. Why does he need to say that? Because in the church, in any community, we are so different. We have different passions. We, we have different personalities. We have different cultures. We have different backgrounds. Sometimes we have different preferences. And even sometimes we have some different emphases in theology. And as we come together as a group in building these caring Beyond superficial relationships, we need to grow in accepting one another. God making you who you are. God making me who I am. Understanding that God makes us differently. And so we accept one another as we too learn along the way to be more sanctified. Galatians 5.13, serve one another in love. Not doesn't say the only elder serve one another. The body serve one another, each of us serving one another. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 2, bearing with one another in love. In other words, you could put that in different words, putting up with one another in love. Being kind or be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other is one that perhaps we need to pause. Being aloof or avoiding or ignoring, or pretending that someone doesn't exist because somewhere along the line they hurt us, or they disappointed us, or they offended us. Well, in a caring relational context, there is a forgiveness of one another. There's an expression of, of generosity in the way that we relate, putting aside those things in as much as we have been forgiven our debt or indebtedness to God through Jesus, we learn to be forgiving to others. Submit to one another, Colossians 3.16, teach and admonish one another, the kind of thing I'm doing tonight, urging you, and, and, and you ought to be doing the same if you are part of a group in, in uh, this particular study, at the end of the study, urging one another did did we hear the study tonight are, are we doing this and how can we do it better and so the list continues encourage one another build each other up from Thessalonians spur one another on toward love and good deeds from Hebrews do not slander one another from the book of James it does require some intention but more than intention it requires action. It requires effort. I often say to my children and say this uh, in the study tonight, nothing good comes easy. 
And so to have these caring relationships in the church requires effort. It does require effort. Uh, getting up off our bottoms and, and doing something. Reaching out to different people in the ways that I've just uh, mentioned in those commands that have uh, that have been given to us. And so there's a soul-searching question, or a soul-searching, there's a question that, that I think is quite penetrating. You ask yourself, and I ask you tonight, how long have you been part of the Central Baptist Church? Well, for me, 23 years, going on in my 24th year. How long have you been here? Is it 10 years, 20 years, some people 40 years, some people 60 years? How long have you been among the members of Central Baptist Church? How many people do you know? How many caring relationships have you developed? How many of these meaningful relationships are you involved in? Is it possible for you to write as John does to someone else in a caring and intimate and meaningful way? And I want to add here, there is a need for us to take initiative. Each one of us ought to take some kind of initiative. We can't always be waiting for someone else to take the first step. If we all did that, nobody would ever have anybody reaching out to them. But imagine if everybody, if all of us members at Central, just under 400 members and another 400 adherents, imagine if each one of us was, was taking an, a step of, of, of initiating a conversation initiating some kind of uh, engagement with, with fellow members and, and building that relationship, uh, showing hospitality, uh, uh, showing care, and building trust, building a meaningful relationship. So that's number one. Uh, just from the first verse, uh, let us learn from John about his good relationship, his concerning relationship with his friend guys. But I want to move on now and see from the second verse. And I've simply put this under the heading, we need to pray more broadly for each other. Again, we need to examine our prayers. And it's different for most of us. The tendency is for us to have particular emphases uh, in the content of our prayer. Sometimes we have a tendency, there's a tendency on the one end of the spectrum only to be praying for the physical well-being of some people. And sometimes it's only those people closest to us. The other end of the spectrum, the prayers can be uh, having an emphasis or have an emphasis of just spiritual content, praying for the conversion of someone, praying for the spiritual growth of someone, praying that somebody would be uh, particularly convicted on on an issue that would that, so so where in the spectrum should our prayers be focused and 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 the answer is it's not at a particular place on the spectrum, but it should be on the full spectrum. It, 
Our prayer should be all inclusive, and, and we're going to see that. This wonderful prayer. Many of you have heard me read this to you, and I've come to visit you and, 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 and to show you that there is this broader concern that we ought to have for each other as we build these relationships uh, in the context uh, of the church. Let me read the verse. Dear friend, I pray that you may enjoy good health. Commendable. That all may go well with you. There's a broader uh, reference to other things than just physical well-being. But then he adds, even as your soul is getting along well. Well, I believe that God has given us this prayer in the pages of Scripture that uh, we need to learn. He, he, he's showing us here that we ought to pray for each other in all the needs and challenges we face. We need to rise above the challenge of just praying for temporal needs. Lord, give me my daily bread. Yes, we ought to do that. Jesus taught his disciples uh, to pray for daily provision. We do need to pray for each other when we are sick and, and when we are struggling and, and when we are going into hospital and when we are having to recuperate or recover from surgery. We, we ought to be doing that. We ought to be praying for people's safety as, as they travel. We prayed for Conrad on Sunday as, as he went off. He and Headley, uh, we prayed for the two of them as they have gone off to Mozambique to hand out uh, published material to the churches in Mozambique. But our prayers need to go beyond that. Our prayers need also to include the spiritual struggles and challenges that people face, that you face, that I face. The wide spectrum of challenges, the vulnerabilities that we all face need to all be gathered together as we, as we pray for each other. There, there should never be a moment when we don't know what to pray. Always, always thinking, thinking about it, uh, praying that someone would not uh, be tempted and yield to temptation, that someone would not submit to the, uh, the, the, the schemes of the devil, uh, that someone would not to be not uh, 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 submit to, to sin, crouching at the, the... These are daily realities that people face. And, and we ought to be praying for each other, whether it be temptations, whether it be someone in their lostness or, or, or spiritual hardship or relationships, <coughs> excuse me, uh, <laughs> trouble in, in the home, whether it be conflict in the marriage or difficulty with uh, teenagers or parenting. The list is huge. John knows that his dear friend needs prayer. That all may go well with you. It's an inclusive prayer. Provision, again, if I made a list over here, there are those among us, we ought to be praying for their provision in the context of tremendous and difficult poverty. Peace and anxiety. As people face challenges and, and hardship and, and uncertainty and and praying for them for joy and despair, or comfort in loneliness, or strength in frailty. Healing, healing in brokenness, illness, delight in relationships, uh, mercy in sin, relief from pain, escape in temptations, assurance in discouragement, grace in suffering, compassion in grief. 
get, you get the, to get the point? Hearing meaningful relationships, get involved in a more inclusive, comprehensive prayer. Yes, it's right to pray for good health. It's right to pray for spiritual well-being. It's right to pray that all may be well with each other. John does seem to have this overall and underlying concern for the well-being of the soul. And I, I wanted to come back to that and emphasize it because what use is it if somebody is healthy, if somebody is wealthy, but their soul is sick? Or there's no spiritual life. They remain dead in their transgressions and sins. What, what, what good is that? So, so underlying our concern for each other is, is spiritual well-being. How is it with your soul? How can I pray for the well-being of your soul? How can you pray for me and the well-being and safekeeping of my soul? And so temporal well-being, yes, has its place. Lord, please provide a roof over our head and provide for our daily needs. It, it, has, it, it's a, it can be a need. It is a need. We ought to pray. But the overarching, the significant matter of importance is the state of the soul. To be lost, to be dead in transgression, to be heading for an eternal destiny separated from God, and we sometimes even hesitate to speak about the reality of an eternity in hell, should we not be on our knees pleading for our loved ones, pleading for the nations of the world that there would be a reception of the good news of the gospel, pleading for our politicians, pleading for business people who get consumed with the idols of materialism, for them to be alive in Christ, for them to know the joy of sins forgiven, the inclusion in God's family, and eternity in heaven. And so, folk, the urging tonight in this study is to pray in these meaning, in meaningful relationships for each other more comprehensively. But thirdly, I want to move on now to a third aspect. Uh, the remainder of this uh, short opening paragraph is we need to urge each other to walk in the truth. That sounds so obvious. Why wouldn't a believer want to walk in the truth? Well, the sad reality is we are prone to wonder. The sad reality is the observation is there's a, con a constant stream of professing believers soaking up in a gullible nature deception and error being convinced in the context of worldly pressure to believe that which is and does not conform to the revelation of God. We are surrounded by, we are living in a world of darkness. We, we, don't forget that. We are living in a world of darkness. Error abounds. Satan is the father of lies. Corruption is, is a reality. We, we see it, we read of it, we observe it. Uh, deceit and lies and decadence and immorality. And, and so as we navigate the narrow way, 
Broad is the path that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way and few find it. And so we need to be urging each other. My brother, my sister, are you walking in the truth? Do you believe that which God has revealed? And you can't be selective in that which you you receive from God's comprehensive revelation. Are you willing to submit to all of that which God has given? And it's not just amongst unbelievers. I bring this message tonight to a family of believers who any one of us can face the temptation to stray in believing and receiving some kind of lie, taking us down pathways of deception. We must be like Jesus. Be like Jesus. Follow our master's footsteps. The disciples of Jesus should at least in some measure be like the master, striving to be like our master who claimed to be, what did he claim to be? The way, the truth, and the life. And so we want to know the truth, the truth of who he is and the truth of what he teaches and what he's taught. Remember what Jesus said to Pilate? John chapter 18, everyone on the side of truth listens to him. Followers of Jesus ought to be walking in the truth. Be careful of smart men and women who think they know better than God. Be careful of these smart people. The life and teaching of Jesus is that truth is crucial, truth is important, and that is something we need to imitate. Here in 3 John and also in the previous letters, in fact elsewhere in the Bible, we, but certainly in these letters, a great joy in response to people walking in the truth. 2 John chapter 4, it has given me great joy to find some of you children walking in the truth, just as the Father commanded I want to tell you that this has been one of the hardest uh, challenges that I've faced in the course of my now almost 30 years in ministry. And, And not from those outside of the church, those from within the denominational family, unwilling to pursue truth in its comprehensive nature. If I think back to Deuteronomy 29, 29, the secret things belong to the Lord, but those things uh, revealed belong to us and our children forever. All that God has revealed to us ought to be the object of our pursuit in walking in the truth, the gospel truth, the historical truth about Jesus, the truth of what he taught, the truth about what he did, the truth about his death, and the truth about his resurrection, the truth about his ascension, the truth about us going out and making disciples, teaching people to obey all that he has commanded. Well, just a couple of implications in closing. What can you do? Just uh, having heard the study tonight, what can you do? Well, you can make some friends in the church. Make some friends. Reach out to some people. Now, I'm not suggesting that you can get to know everybody at Central Baptist Church. That's going to be very difficult. But make some headway. Make some friends. Make one friend. Make two friends. Make six friends. But make some friends in the church. And you can do that. You can do that by joining a small group, a home Bible study group. You can get involved in, 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 in a serving ministry. Do you know what I've noticed on, on a Sunday morning when I arrive at the church? 
I noticed that those who serve together in preparing refreshments get to know each other. Can you help me and show me how to work this coffee machine? Can you help me? How much coffee do I put in this machine? How many cups should I pack out? Oh, yes, and, and, and what's your name? And, and, and tell me a little bit about your life. And, and people talk. People get to know each other. And so next week when they're not on duty and they're standing outside, they're able to have a conversation. And it's the beginning of a relation. Oh, how about us meeting for coffee? How about you coming over to me, to my home, and, and we have a meal together? Make some friends in the church. Secondly, get to know your friends. Get to know them beyond the superficial. Ask some penetrating questions about their family, their children, perhaps even the extended family, the parents, the younger people. Ask them about their concerns, about their spiritual well-being. Ask them about their work their devotional life, their, their walk with God, when were they converted, if they are converted. And, and so take initiative in talking and getting to know friends. And, and if I may add this very, very important lesson, 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 consciously listen when people talk. Give them your full attention. Look them in the eye. Show interest. Don't ask a question and then ignore the answer when it's given. Start talking about yourself. No, listen intently. Show interest. Show concern. And then you can pray intelligently with up-to-date information. And then I do want to end just with a final uh, comment. you know how all of this takes place? As we cultivate, as you cultivate, as I cultivate our relationship and love for Jesus. Love for Jesus, a tender heart for Jesus. And I want to urge you in that. Ultimately, that's uh, the core issue. When love for Jesus is in place and growing and meaningful and intimate and precious and, and tender, it's a lot easier to be obedient in reaching out to those who are also seeking to walk in a relationship in loving and serving Jesus. So I have a couple of questions that uh, I don't have uh, an assistant tonight, so I wasn't able to have uh, a computer clicking through the various slides and things. So, so for those of you who are going to be uh, chatting about the study tonight, I have four questions that I'm going to read now just uh, before I close uh, the session tonight. First question is, I want to urge you to jot down on a piece of paper the, name, the names of five people that you know in the church, five people that you would consider knowing. You don't have a piece of paper? Well, I'm sure you can think of five people. Number two, ask each other, that's if you're in a group, questions about the relationship that you have with those people. Challenge each other a little. Do you know anything about their family? Do you know the names of their children? Do you know what their biggest concern is? How often do you pray for them? What are the biggest challenges that they're facing? Have you been in their home? Have they been in your home? A little bit uh, maybe awkward to ask these questions, but they're good, challenging questions. And then thirdly, we always need to look at solutions and remedies. What can you do? What can you do to grow your relationships with people in the context of Central Baptist Church? 
And then very importantly, I do want to urge you to talk about, even if it's just to your family, what does it mean practically to walk in the truth? Great to have been with you tonight. Uh, God bless you. And may God continue to do his work among us, uh, growing us in ways that honor him and edify his body. And so, Lord, we conclude this time this evening just praying that your grace would abound, that your spirit would continue to do his work in us as individuals, but, Lord, among us as a body. And may we be uh, an organism that, that really uh, relates well, that, that has relationships that are meaningful, that are significant, that are beyond the superficial. And in so doing, Lord, concerned uh, bringing one another before your throne of grace, And in all of this, Lord, our desire being to exalt you and to honor you, to be a light in a dark world. And so continue with us, we pray, as we ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you and may God be with you as we continue in this coming week.